If you will turn your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, we're going to conclude chapter 3 today. Um, I'm trying not to be foolish. I'm trying to be on my best behavior <laughs> today. Yeah, y'all know I can be a little foolish from time to time. Uh, we are... And today, as we've been talking about Jesus in the Gospel here of Mark, we want to focus today's message on Jesus and his family. Jesus and his family. And as we look here today, we, <laughs> we understand. Now, look, I haven't, I want to get this off before we get started. I haven't figured it all out. When it comes to family, um, I, I make a mess of things often. If you don't believe that, my wife and daughter are here. You can ask them. I make a mess of things. If you want to know the truth without worrying about whether they're trying to cover up, ask my daughter. She, <laughs> I don't know if she knows how to lie. She'll tell you the truth whether you want it or not. And uh, so you can ask her. She'll let you know how, that uh, I'm, I haven't figured all of this out. But what I do know is that it's good to be part of the family of God. Isn't it? And as we think today about Jesus and his family, we're looking verses 31 through 35. And as you're finding that, while, you know, many people hunger for family closeness. We, we just hunger for that. That's who we are. Our problem often is we miss opportunities that stand right before us. For instance, a woman from Roanoke, Virginia, began searching for her biological mother when she turned 21. A year of searching had went by and it proved nothing for her. She got no answers. What she didn't realize was that her mother had been looking for her for 20 years, her biological mother. For 20 years. And here's where it gets interesting. Her mother worked alongside of her. They worked together at the same convenient mark. When the mother overheard the daughter speaking with another co-worker about her search for her biological mother, the mother's ears perked up. Then the two began to compare stories and birth certificates. And then the co-workers, when they realized that they were in fact mother and daughter, they just held each other for the longest time. The daughter said it was the best day of her life. As born-again Christians, often we sit side by side in church pews. Week after week, and we fail to realize the depth of the relationship that we share with each other in Jesus Christ. Too often we focus on what we don't have rather than focusing on what we do have. We see this here in the text. The Bible tells us in verse 31, chapter 3, it says, Then his brothers and his mother came and standing outside, they sent to him, calling him. And a multitude was sitting around him. And they said to him, look, your mother 
and your brothers are outside seeking you. But he answered them saying, who is my mother or my brothers? And he looked around in a circle at those who sat about him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and mother. This is God's holy word. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time of worship. We thank you for your presence that is here with us today. Now, God, you hide me behind the cross and you speak to your people. And God, you let them hear what you have for them. And God, we'll praise you for all that's accomplished. And if there's one here who doesn't know you through your son, Jesus Christ, God, this would be a great day for your Holy Spirit to sit with them and spend time with them, talking to them, assuring them of your love for them. Oh, God, we know that you are God, and besides you, there is no other. So as you move and minister according to your will and according to your riches and glory, we'll give you praise and honor for all that's accomplished. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah, as we've been going through this chapter, what amazes me is all the drama that is centered around Jesus at this time. The miracles he performed were undeniable. The teachings that he shared were practical and truthful. And, and all that he did, he attempted to keep attention off of him. He didn't ask anyone for anything, but he was willing to give everything that he had for whoever was in need. And now his family appears to be afraid of his well-being. It would, I would imagine that Jesus never in his life, growing up, defied authority. We know he lived a sinless life. And, but now he's healing on the Sabbath, which is against the religious leader's law. Not God's, but the religious leader's law. He not only was healing on the Sabbath, but he proclaimed to be the Lord of the Sabbath. The religious leaders thought he was evil. They were saying that he cast demons out by the God of filth. The God they called Beelzebub. Maybe Jesus' family and friends were afraid because of what the religious leaders were planning. Now, there's a large number surrounding and following Jesus, and he's chosen 12 men to do life with. He's going to prepare them to preach his gospel, and he would empower them to heal sicknesses and cast out demons. So his family thought he was out of his mind. Maybe they were afraid the people were talking about him. Or how the people were talking about him. Maybe they were afraid of the talk that the religious leaders were having concerning him. Whatever the case was, Jesus' mother Mary and her brothers left Nazareth and came looking to find Jesus. The Bible says they were seeking him. So what we know is that the rescue's underway. Jesus' family came to take him away with them. 
They, it, would see, it would seem that they would want him to return back with them to Nazareth. They found out where he was and they stood outside. Now, what we know is there was a great multitude there. So it's, poss- it's probable that he wasn't in a building, that they were outside and he was teaching. And the multitude had surrounded him and his family, when they approached, they stood outside of the multitude. But... Knowing Mary being the mother of Jesus, it makes sense that they would have moved out of the way and let his mother, who had captured their attention, into him. But she chose to stand outside. Instead of trying to get to Jesus, she sends someone else instead. So as someone is going, talking about, talking, I can imagine it. I I don't know how you pictured this. As they're making their way through, I need to get to Jesus. His mom and dad, his mom's outside. His brothers are are outside of this group. They're out there wanting to, to speak with him. I need to get to him as he's making his way through the crowd. So others are aware now. Jesus, your mother and your brothers, they're seeking you. We have to ask the question, why was Mary so concerned? We know all about Mary having a real experience with God about the birth of her son, don't we? Mary had birthed Jesus without ever sexually being with a man. So why would Mary be so concerned about Jesus? And, and what would it, why would she attempt to get to him and return to Nazareth with him and her other sons? Why would she stop Try to stop what he is doing. Perhaps. The truth is that Mary's just flesh and blood. Perhaps that just answers the question for us. The Bible says in Luke 1 and 28 that Mary is blessed and highly favored. But Mary is still flesh and blood. What we have to remember, she was blessed and highly favored, but not because of anything she had done, not because of anything she had not done, but simply by the grace and the mercy of God. You are saved today simply by the grace and the mercy of God. She was still flesh. And because she was flesh and blood, it only makes sense that it was hard for her to grasp fully what was going on with her son and what he was there for. We remember, we remember the stories. Uh, Two, for instance, when Jesus was born and the shepherds were out watching their flock in the fields. And then all of a sudden an angel appears. And when the angel appears... The angel begins to tell them, as fear has overcome them, the angel is telling them all about the birth of the Messiah. Oh, he, you'll, you'll find him in Bethlehem, in a stable, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And then all of a sudden, worship breaks out. The Bible says that with the angel, there was a heavenly host and they began praising God, glorifying him. Crying out, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. The shepherds, what they done, they went to Bethlehem and they found Mary. They found Joseph and the Christ child. And just as the angel had said, and they shared everything that it took place with them with Mary. 
the Bible says, the Bible says Mary kept all of this and pondered it in her heart. So, what we also know is 12 years later, Joseph is taking his family to Jerusalem for the Passover. When the Passover was over, they left to go back toward Nazareth, and they were a day's journey when they realized Jesus isn't with them. A full day's journey when their son was, when they realized he was missing. They go back, and after three days, they find him in the temple. What would you be doing three days without your child at 12 years of age? Three days it went by and they hadn't found him and they find him in the temple. The Bible says that in Luke 2, 48 through 49, that Mary said, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And Jesus replied, why? Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I'd be about my father's business? You know what Luke 2 and 50 says? The very next verse, they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Mary had, all she knew about Jesus was that she, he was one of her children. He was a good son. And now he's 30 years of age and for the first time she is seeing that he is like the other kids. She's now having to, to see him truly as the Messiah, the anointed one, the very son of God. How do you think you would have felt if you would have been Mary? Mary saw the potential dangers in what Jesus was doing. She knew that if Jesus would not come back, he could come back with her to a carpentry business and live a good life. And it would be a lot safer for him. Well, let me ask. How would you feel if your son or daughter came to you and said, God's calling me to the mission field in Ukraine? You've invested in their education, made sure that they, they've got a good education, and they've got a good job, a great job that's going to morph into a great career. They live just minutes away. Easy to drive to see them. You see them multiple times a week, talk to them multiple times a day. And now they're preparing to go to seminary. So they can go off with IMB to another part of the world where it's dangerous. Where they're here and they're involved with the church and they're doing great things and, and people are respecting them and, and, and just admiring their work and their commitment. They're going to a place where they can't talk about their faith openly. Or they would be imprisoned, killed, maybe do you love the gospel enough to send them with your blessings? Or would we say, are you crazy? God's blessing you here. Why do you need to go there? It's dangerous there. You might not make it back home. That's where Mary was. That's exactly where Mary was. So the rescue was underway. I think we're all understanding Mary a little bit better right now, aren't we? Well, 
when we continue to look in here, Jesus begins to share the reality of family. The scene develops as we read that Jesus is standing before the crowd. He's just been told that his mother and his brothers are outside seeking him. And he answered them this way. Who was my mother and my brothers? Now at this point, Jesus is not attempting to disregard family or blood relatives. He wasn't disregarding his mother altogether. We know that Jesus was, while he was hanging on the cross, that he ensured the apostle John would look after his mother when he was gone. What Jesus is saying is that a genuine family is made up by much more than common blood and traits. Something more is needed for a genuine family. Families are, that are tied to just only common blood and common traits will find themselves in turmoil. They'll find themselves divided. They'll find themselves torn apart if that's the only thing they have. So Jesus stretches out his hands and says, Here are my mother." And my brothers. Jesus is telling them that true family is based on a relationship with God. He was saying that his true family was his disciples. Why? Because they had accepted him as their Lord and Master. And it was their acceptance in spirit and in heart that bound them together. John's gospel tells us in 1, 12 through 13 that as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So what he's telling us is that we should be on one accord, defending one another at all times, rather than tearing each other apart. We should be closer than our own blood relatives. But what we want to do is just point fingers often, don't we? Jesus takes this a step further. He says, for whoever does the will of God is my brother, sister, and mother. Jesus didn't come into the world to do his will, but instead he came to do the will of the Father. In John 5 and 30, he tells us this. He says, I, I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. The disciples had accepted Jesus as their Lord and their master. So, If Jesus' objective was to do the will of the Father, and he is Lord and Master of the disciples, (laughs) are you with me? Then his will obviously should become their will. If he's their Lord and Master, they no longer want what they want. They want what he wants. When we decide we want what we want, he's not our master. 
When we, when we feel like, well, I, I, I think this is, no, it doesn't matter what you or I think. What matters is what the word of God says. We're not smarter than the word of God. It's the only book that is alive. The only book that will keep teaching you over and over and over. It's the only book that tells us absolute truth. This book is without error. It cannot fail us. All it can do is lift us up and change our lives. I want you to know this, Rudy Branch. If you want to know what your purpose in this life is, it is to do the will of the Father. It's when Jesus Christ becomes our Lord and Savior, we focus our lives upon the will of God that we become bound together with others who have trusted Jesus as their Lord and Savior and focus their lives upon the will of God. There are many people within the church that are not bound together with others because their, their motives are not the will of God. Their motives are their own. And when that is the case, we're, no, we're not bound to one another. Well, I've I've made a profession of faith. It doesn't matter when his will is not your will, then I'm not bound to you if his will is my will. And if my will is not his will, I'm not bound to you if your will is his will. According to Scripture, we're bound together spiritually as a family. What makes this family a stronger family than our own family by blood and traits? It's because we're made up of the blood of Jesus. And his blood is the only blood that continues to live. Your blood, my blood, it's going to pour out of our bodies and it'll be no more. His blood poured out of his body and it continues to save people in this life. So that we can spend eternity together in the next life. Therefore, we are to lay down our traits and take on his traits. We are to reflect Christ in the world more than we reflect our own earthly family. Brother, Brother Ronald knows my dad. Well, he knows my dad. And when I first come to Reedy Branch, I, I started to look like Daddy more for the very first time. Because I, I, I was graying in a certain pattern. You know, I, I, I'm light, a lot more fair-skinned than my dad. But, but we were graying in the same pattern. And, and I would, I, for the first time around 2004, 2005, I was hearing, Oh, you remind me of your daddy. And I took pride in it. It'd be much better if people saw me and said, you remind me of Jesus. That would be much better. Your life reminds me of the word of God. Whether we want to admit it or not, the truth is our earthly family relationships, they're temporary. 
They're temporary. They're not going to always be. (laughs) Up until the age of 23, I had a brother and sister. Now I just have a sister. Up until the age of 35, I had a, a, a mother and father. Now I have my mother. Earthly families, they change. Relationships change. The Apostle Paul tells us that flesh and blood, in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. But here's what he tells us. Speaking about those of us who are bound together by the blood of Jesus, by the will of God, he says, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In the moment, the twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. We shall be changed from this corruptible and put on incorruption and this mortal shall put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, or oh, hell, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we can't miss this. Because he says, beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. He's telling us here, we're going to continue to always be brothers and sisters when we're bound together by the blood of Jesus and the will of God. So the question now, if you're not part of this spiritual family, do you want to be? You can be. God desires for you to be. Jesus died on an old rugged cross so that you can be part of this family. Do you believe that he lived a sinless life and that he died for your sin? Do you believe that if you would ask him to forgive you of your sin, that he will? as they come to prepare this song of invitation. I want to assure you today that if you call out to him, he will do it. The Bible tells us in 2 Peter 3 and 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Romans 10, 9 through 10 tells us that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. In Romans 10 and 13, it's clear, very clear, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
doesn't matter what your past is like. Doesn't matter what it's been like. Doesn't matter what you've done in this world. If you'll call on Jesus, he'll extend his grace and his mercy to you. Are you ready today? As every head's bowed, every eye's closed. Are you here today that don't know Jesus? Are you ready to receive him as your Lord and Savior? If you'll believe in Jesus, believe in the resurrection of the dead, then today you can be saved. You can leave here changed. You can leave here being made new. I've shared this week in and week out. You can't get new. You can't get right. He has to make you new. He will make you right. Would you today, as they begin to sing this song, is there one?